You are Locked On Mavericks, your daily podcast on the Dallas Mavericks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is going to be huge. Welcome. You are Locked On, the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Angstead, media member at MavsMoneyBall.com. And joined, and I am joined by Dan Konst from Mavs Moneyball as well. Dan, thanks so much for joining us all the way from Australia. Hey, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. I love having people with other accents on the podcast. Yeah, it's good. I hope like <laughs> I hope you can understand me okay. <laughs> if they can understand Isaac and they can understand Dalton and their little drawls that they have going on, they can understand you. <laughs> okay. Dalton's accent threw me off, man. That was, <laughs> it was He's got yeah, a- I didn't know what I didn't know what he sounded like either until I actually heard him on the pod, so it was interesting. <laughs> it's like I, I mean, I knew he was from Mississippi, but that was that was deep. <laughs> yeah, it was. So I've never right. seen that in movies. Okay, anyway. Oh yeah, that's true. Do they have different dialects and like accents in Australia? They do, yeah. It's um if like I'm from the West, so we, we speak normally and then people <laughs> Yeah. People, okay, I people get that. The, that's me. People in the a... East they say um like we we'll say you know go swimming in the pool and they'll say pill, oh. like they just have they have weird twang. That's weird. I'm not. For, I'm not for that. Yeah, no, I, I feel that because I have the I have that accent too. That normal like, there's nothing interesting to it. <laughs> it's it's yep. the straight thing. And then Isaac comes on. And he's like, you know, Dwight Powell. <laughs> <laughs> well, so. to be honest, to me that sounds just like all the other American accents. <laughs> I probably couldn't tell the difference in Australian either, yeah. but I can definitely tell the difference when it's like Cockney, like British accent. That that is where it gets. That is crazy. Yeah, or even a Puerto Rican accent. And speaking of a Puerto Rican accent, we're talking about JJ Barea today. That is our player preview. Uh, Dan JJ gets he's this off season. He's in pretty much every off season. He's kind of just been pushed aside as like another you know just it's the same old JJ. He's just gonna be there. He's gonna do the same things, but. JJ's been doing the same things. <laughs> JJ continues to be effective. Uh, what's your yeah, biggest no, What's a, your biggest question for JJ? Yeah, biggest question um, is probably revolves more around the actual the other people on the team, really, um, and how they perform, as to what JJ we're going to see. Because obviously, with Dennis Smith Jr. coming in, that's a big question: Huge. whether or not um, if how big of a role J, um, JJ will have. Obviously, in the past with with guys like um, Darren Williams as our point guard and uh, like Yogi took the reins for a while. JJ has always taken this back seat. So if we have someone that's really consistently good at point guard with along with Yogi Ferrell, along with uh, Seth, it's just going to be interesting to see what sort of role that JJ actually gets when, when it's pretty packed down there and we have a guy that we really want to develop. Um, so the, the biggest question I guess is, uh, is he going to have a, a spot in this team um, that he does anything worthwhile? Um, but yeah, like a, I think the good thing about with with JJ is that Carlisle does like him. Um, he's, oh, yeah. He does use him a lot, um, and he does like to use those three guard lineups. He likes to have a couple of point guards on the floor. So I don't think it's um, necessarily a bad thing that Dennis Smith's coming in, and um, for JJ, it's not going to be a you know, totally remove him from the roster, but it will be interesting. That's probably my biggest question is what role is he going to have in, in a team that's going to look so different at that point guard spot? 
Yeah, and besides the injury, we're not. I don't really want to talk about injuries necessarily on the podcast. You know, JJ was dealing with that calf injury most of last year. He only played like thirty something games, and so besides injury, you know, if he plays the normal like seventy five, eighty games that he normally plays, like where where is his role? And to me, I think his role is more of the like if the if Dennis Smith Jr. comes in, and we I just talked about this with Ian on the the preview we did a couple days ago, is that if Dennis starts having these, you know. Uh, games where he's tur- you know prone to turnovers and just having these issues where you know Carlisle just wants to yank him or you know Carlisle just wants to pull him out really quick like we saw a lot with with Justin Anderson. I think yeah. I think his leash with Dennis Smith Jr. is going to be a lot longer, obviously, than Justin Anderson's was. But could JJ be the guy that he puts in immediately instead of Yogi, maybe to be like, all right, let's right the ship, let's steer it back in the right direction, you know, the sort of that. I guess the rudder, not necessarily the rudder, but like a stabilizer. I can't think of a good yeah. analogy for that, like. I don't know. A good boat analogy? <laughs> yeah. The stern, the bow, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. That's Not... that's the extent of my boat knowledge right there, you've, you've said. <laughs> yeah, but just yeah, as that sort thing... of calming like player to bring in. Yeah, and that is a good player to have, someone that you, you, you know he's going to – like he's not going to surprise you. He's not going to wow you, um, but he's also pr- – like he doesn't really disappoint that often. I mean, a lot of times he can be a um, – a bit of a hindrance on defense and stuff, but you know what you're going to get with him, and and Rick will have that to um, he will rely on him for that. I think. Yeah, you know that's just the kind of player he is. He does. He, you say he doesn't surprise me. He always does surprise me when he comes into the game because the offense just starts to move. Like I can just tell that the offense yeah. is, is moving better. You know, it's it's like the stuff starts to happen and things are are you know stuff is happening. We even we even saw that we went back and did the uh 2011 finals flashback me and Isaac did. We went through all those games. You can go back and listen to those. We had some really great guests on that week, Deshaun Stevenson, uh Mark Followell, Chuck Cooperstein, guys like that. So you can go back and listen to those episodes, but you you have, you know, JJ Barea comes into the, even comes into those finals games and he started the last three in the, in the NBA finals in 2011 and it really really helped the offense and he's still doing that somehow still yeah, on, on this he team. Yeah. He was insane in 2011. He he um like dare I say it was he the reason the Mavs won? Like I don't know when when he got put in the starting lineup. I know, right? <laughs> but yeah, he that's the thing. I mean, when I say he doesn't surprise me, I, I mean like I'm almost expecting that sort of behavior yeah, from him, yep. that that sort of play. Um which which is a good thing. It's it's good to have a consistent guy backing up, um, and and a guy that you can slot in when when things get uh, a bit tough. Yeah, that that's definitely going to be his role. Um, I'm not I'm not sure about this. You know, JJ Barea being a mentor um, necessarily. I don't really see him around yeah. like a lot of younger guys. And you know, he's a family guy. He keeps to himself a little bit, but. Maybe that's just something that I don't really see on the other side of it. Um, you know, just being around players and just in the locker room. That's sort of just a transition period for them. Uh, but what do you think about JJ as a mentor? Like, what do you think he would bring uh, as far as experience or as far as you know stuff that he's seen in the NBA? Yeah, I mean, I mean, what is apart from um, you know playing on the court, you don't really hear much about him, uh, which is a good thing. I, I think if if a guy's if you're hearing about a guy a lot, it's not normally a good thing. So. It may, maybe he's just sort of like a, a mentor that he just shows guys how to act as opposed to maybe takes them under his wing. But he's a guy that you can look at and say, you know, he's really he's, he's what he's this is his 14th season or something. Um, and he's about as tall as I am. I'm, <laughs> I'm about five, six. Like those sorts of guys don't usually last in the league unless they have something. And right. so maybe that's that's his mentoring role and in, in more than just 
being that sort of rock in the locker room, that guy that that does the right things and 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 hangs around. I mean, that's a pretty good guy to, to be around. Yeah, and we, you don't hear him very often unless something happens with Puerto Rico, and then you hear about it. <laughs> you know, and and recently this happened yeah. with uh, with Hurricane Maria uh, that just destroyed Puerto Rico. I mean, man, I think I think that they said that the whole island was out of power. Yeah, that's ridiculous. I mean, that is just insane. I, can't, I mean, it's that would be you know like a whole city kind of going out of power, maybe like a whole you know small state going out of power. It's just it's it's crazy to you know to think about that. Yeah. Um, but he's he's raising money for that and wants to you know help. He was at the Dirk um, you know tennis event. You know he was at the Dirk you know baseball event. He's just very supportive. Very, you know he's always around, like you said, and um, just you know a, a stabilizing force. He was a champion, and I think that that pedigree. There's a couple champions on this team, and I think that that's that's huge. I mean, you look at the, I mean yeah. the, the Sixers or the Lakers are teams where you have like who do you, what champions do you have on that team? I mean the Lakers just added Bogut. Uh, I can't think of anybody else that's you know Luke Walton. I guess is their coach, yes. but. Then you look at the you know the yeah, Sixers that are rebuilding. The board, anyway. Who do they have? Who do they have that's actually done something in the league? You know, in the playoffs. Yeah, exactly. And it's is it is sorry. It's in, invaluable to have those sorts of guys, especially on a, a team where you're sort of rebuilding. Often, the roster just gets like gutted out, and those sort of vets and the guys with experience go by the wayside. So to have one or two guys on the team to groom these younger dudes, it's a, a pretty valuable thing. Okay, keep your eyes closed. Okay. I want to show you my first ever painting. Ooh, all right. Okay. Open your eyes. Oh, that's a lot of colors mm-hmm. <laughs> and shapes. So be honest. What do you think? Well, uh, I like how if you switch to Geico, you could save hundreds of dollars on car insurance. Oh, yeah, that's that's true. Yeah. Here, why don't I hold your paintbrush while you call them? Geico, because saving 15% or more on car insurance is always a great answer. So we're about to do media day. Uh, we're recording this on on Friday. Well, this will drop a little bit after that. But we're about to do media day on Monday, and the only thing I'm going to ask JJ Bray if I get a chance is about his team this summer, the Puerto Rican team that we also we talked to Edgar Vargas, my friend, uh, about this summer because, <laughs> and I will push this story out if I do get to talk to JJ about it. But the owner, the former owner of his Puerto Rican team that he coached, you remember that story where he was you know coaching the team, yeah in Puerto Rico in the Puerto Rican league. Uh, the owner, the middle of a playoff game, they were in an elimin- you know, about to be eliminated. They were like one game away from being eliminated. It wasn't an elimination game. It was close. The owner comes out in the middle of the game in a heated moment. J.J. Barre gets called for a second technical. He gets ejected. The owner comes running out, runs around, does a juke move around J.J. Barea, and just throws a right hook right at the ref's head and nails him <laughs> right in the head. <laughs> And JJ was right uh, there so, for it, and then JJ pulls him off, and you know does a little, does that little hold me back thing, and oh man, yeah. I, I can't wait to talk to him about it or to ask him about it because that is just wild. I mean, the first thing I'm going to ask him is, can you imagine Mark Cuban ever doing that? I know, right? <clears throat> I could. That's the thing. <laughs> I could imagine him doing that. Just getting mad enough to do. I don't know if he'd get that bad, but man, he does get mad at refs for sure. Yeah, there was that um like April Fool's thing where he had that. That fight, oh, yeah. that play fight with the um, referee, which it was, it was pretty lame, really. But <laughs> yeah, that's an extreme, um, such an extreme story. I, I, I do need the um, the scoop on that, and some I need some comments from JJ on it. Yeah, the video is on Mavs Moneyball somewhere. Uh, I think if you just search JJ Barea, you know, Puerto Rican or JJ Barea coach or something like that on, on Mavs Moneyball, go ahead, and that video is up there that you can go check out. It is, it's crazy. Just. <laughs> 
to see it on there. So, so. great. All right. Uh, last two questions I'm going to ask you is, uh, what's the best case scenario for J.J. Barea? Because that's that's sort of a, a loaded question because the best case for J.J. is that he sort of takes a back seat and doesn't play as much. He played about 22 yeah. minutes a game last year. Yeah, 22 minutes a game last year. Yeah, and like his, I, I always have this like back and forth with JJ. I think people either love him or they hate him. Um, I'm I, I'm always confused. Like, I just don't know which JJ I'm going to get. But I think if he is a guy that plays that role that he has in the last season, I mean the last the last section of last season, he was really good. He he was scoring a bunch of points. Um, he I think he only played 35 for the season or so, but towards the end of the year, once he'd gotten free of his injuries, he was really serviceable and, and really good. So I think if he can continue that role, like best case is that he just fits in perfectly and, and doesn't sort of hinder the other guys. Um, I, I said in the, in our preview that he has a real X factor when, when playing with Dirk, he's one of the few Mavs that we've seen that can run the point uh, really effectively with Dirk. Like when, when they're running that pick and roll, and JJ's hitting his shots. They are a really deadly combo. Um, definitely not on defense, but on offense, they are <laughs> yeah really good. And he's one of the few guys that I've seen that that can actually do it and and works with Dirk really well. Um, and so he has that as a as a sort of his specialty, which I think Rick will rely on. So best case, I've got two really. The first one is that he just plays really well, plays a great role, and and doesn't hinder the other guys. I think that's the key to to him. Um, succeeding but then the other the other best case scenario which I don't know if people will like this but I think absolute best case for the Mavs is that he gets traded and wow we see it we, yeah we see it uh, happen um, a bunch of times through the season where teams will lose their point guard or um, they'll have a, they'll be played with like some sort of injury blo- uh, injury bug and then you end up trading for you know, someone else's backup point guard to come in and fill that spot for you. And often they give up more than they really need to because they're sort of desperate. So I, I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there. I don't know if you appreciate that or not, but I think wow. absolutely. Yeah. Best case for the Mavs is that he plays a really good role and, and we, we get a really good asset out of him. I don't know. How do you feel about that? Heartless, heartless, Dan, Dan has no, <laughs> no MFFL spirit, the champion. You want to just trade him away. We let him go once. Don't do the same. No. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you think about it in sort of a uh, like a Sam Hinkie, Daryl Morey, like uh, let me just get what I can with assets, then then yeah, like you know, you'd want him to sort of play himself out of Dallas. But I think that there <laughs> there might be a you know a situation where teams look at JJ and just say he is so good with Dirk. Is this a thing that only happened because he's yeah. with Dirk? You know, is this sort of a thing that a one thing only? Zach Lowe said something really smart in his. Uh, he said a bunch of really smart things today in his uh, his piece that he did with his you know intriguing younger players, where he said that you know Nurkic did just j- Joseph Nurkic when he played for Denver just didn't have the right role for him. It just didn't have the right you know spot for him. And then as soon as he got to Portland, he sort of just plugged in and it really really worked. And he played you know basically up to his potential at that point for a lot of games. And he said there's a lot of guys that you know can translate from team to team to team, and their talent can transcend anything that. You know, any kind of situation or scenario, you know, like LeBron or KD or you know, guys like that. But there's other guys that they need that certain situation. And maybe teams think that JJ, this Dallas situation is the only situation that he can be as effective as he is. Yeah. I mean, there is that. Um, 
he is probably the best when he plays with Dirk. So I don't know. Maybe we can we can blindside a, a team into thinking he's just a really great backup point guard, regardless of where he plays. But I don't know. Maybe <laughs> Dan, Minnesota. Dan, the heartless MFFL is now tricking teams into changing. <laughs> I can see the headlines. I don't now. know. I'm all the way in Australia. No one can get me. It's fine. <laughs> oh. But you know, if if I think if if teams do look at his Minnesota stint, that didn't really go down so well. No. But um, I, I don't know. Maybe later in his career, he'll he'll fit a better role somewhere. But I don't know. It, it could be a, it could be a good thing. I think if if Yogi's playing well, or Seth's playing well, Dennis Smith Jr. is on, and and Devin Harris is there, it's pretty loaded. I, I would imagine that we can't have all five of those guys playing the one and two spot. I, I just can't see it happening in a, in a really fluid way. So yeah. if one of those guys has to has to go, I think probably the best asset that we're going to get. I mean. Obviously, if we don't consider trading Dennis Smith Jr. and and Yogi, gasp, those guys gasp. well, but Dan, if, if Dan is just trading everybody on the Mavericks. <laughs> no, don't trade those guys. JJ, <laughs> we could get something valuable, but yeah, that's just a you know we're just spitballing here. It's been a long off season. I need oh, some man. some action, you know. Uh, so that could be a, a scenario where the Mavericks really benefit. The Troy Daniels for a second round pick didn't didn't you know grease up your trade need? Is that <laughs> that no. didn't didn't do it for you today? No. Oh man. So all right. What is what do you think is the worst case scenario for JJ? I think this is kind of simple. Yeah, it's. I think the worst case is is. I think I've, I've said it a couple of times. We're just stint, um, stunting the growth of 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 Dennis Smith Jr. That's probably the worst case. If if he comes in and, and JJ plays pretty well and. Um, and I mean, it, it is sort of dependent on how Dennis Smith plays, but if he comes in and, and is, Rick just treats him like the other rookies he's treated and, and sort of pulls him onto the bench pretty quickly and, and JJ just starts to get more of a role, then I don't know. I really, I'm really hoping this season that like Dennis Smith just plays a bunch of minutes, turns the ball over a bunch, learns heaps. Um, and has the opportunity to do that, and I think I think that will be the case. We haven't had a, a rookie like this in forever, ever. Um, but I think worst case would be if if JJ just starts to get more minutes and and sort of hinder the development of of the younger dudes. That's probably you know barring the obvious things like like injury and stuff. I think worst case is that um, either, either he just he fizzles out and becomes I don't know like a really poor version of himself but yeah i think he has there's more detriment to the other players around him than himself yeah if we start seeing him playing you know 25 minutes a game and he's never really even played that in his career except for that one year in minnesota but if we start seeing that that's that's a bad sign for both you know dennis smith and yogi so that's probably worst case yeah. which sucks so it's like best case scenario if he plays less worst case scenario if he plays more so it's, it's a tough situation if you're the player but there's other things you know there's other things in basketball that matter besides just you know the minutes you get or you know there's roles there's you know different things that you can do so all right there you yeah. go that's dan Kantz. thanks so much for joining us the writer at mavs moneyball you can go read the piece unless you are there already. So go ahead and go to Mavs Moneyball and read that. Uh, continue to subscribe to Lockdown Mavs if you have not. And Dan, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, man. Have a good one. All right, you too. Peace out and boom. Boom.